iodine is a trace element that is naturally present in foods and is added to some types of salt. Iodine is an essential component of thyroid hormone, which plays a key role in digestion, heart and muscle function, brain development, and maintenance of the bones. Getting enough iodine is important for everybody, especially infants and women who are pregnant. In this podcast, I'll look at the roles of iodine, where it is found in food, and what other health issues with not getting enough of it. Iodine is a key mineral and one of the first trace elements to be identified as essential. A core function of iodine is as an integral part of the thyroid hormones that regulate body temperature, metabolic rate, reproduction, growth, blood cell production, nerve and muscle function, and even some more functions on top of that. Now, the thyroid gland releases a molecule called tetraiodothyronine, or T4 for short. You may know it more commonly as thyroxine. This molecule has four iodine molecules attached to it, hence the need for iodine. Upon reaching the cells, thyroxine has one of its iodine molecules removed to become the active form of thyroid hormone called triiodothyronine, or T3. This all explains why three quarters of the iodine in your body is found in the thyroid gland. The hypothalamus regulates thyroid hormone production by controlling the release of thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH from the pituitary gland. For someone with iodine deficiency, thyroid hormone production declines and the body responds by producing more TSH in an attempt to accelerate iodine uptake into the thyroid gland. Now, if the iodine deficiency persists, the cells of the thyroid gland enlarge to trap as much iodide as possible. Sometimes the gland enlarges so much that it forms a visible lump in the neck, and that's what we call a goiter. So that explains the classic clinical presentation of someone with iodine deficiency. Goiter, though, isn't the only side effect of not having enough iodine in your diet. People with long-term iodine deficiency can develop hypothyroidism. This is a condition in which not enough thyroid hormone is produced. Symptoms of hypothyroidism include dry skin, hair loss, fatigue, and slowed reflexes. Now, goiter may be the earliest and most obvious sign of iodine deficiency, but the most tragic and prevalent damage occurs in the brain, especially in children. Children with even a mild iodine deficiency typically have goiters and perform poorly at school. Mild iodine deficiency has re-emerged in Australia as a major public health issue in the last two decades. Even a mild form of iodine deficiency can give rise to hypothyroidism, with symptoms which include fatigue, goiter, mental impairment, depression, weight gain, and low basal body temperatures. The National Iodine Nutrition Study, which is a survey of iodine levels in over 1,700 children from 88 schools in Australia, indicated that overall Australian children were borderline iodine deficient. So you can see this is actually a problem even 
in a country like Australia. A severe iodine deficiency during pregnancy causes extreme and irreversible mental and physical retardation, known as cretinism. Cretinism affects approximately 6 million people worldwide and can be averted by the early diagnosis and treatment of maternal iodine deficiency. So a worldwide effort is underway to provide iodized salt to people living in iodine deficient areas. So if you are pregnant, you do need higher levels of iodine than usual for your body's healthy development. Mild to moderate iodine deficiency in pregnant women can affect their baby's physical development, as well as their hearing and cause learning difficulties. And severe iodine deficiency can also cause major physical and neurological abnormalities, miscarriage, and even stillbirth. So because of the re-emergence of iodine deficiency in Australia, from September 2009, Food Standards Australia New Zealand introduced mandatory iodine fortification into the food supply, using iodized salt added to bread as the vehicle. That means that iodized salt is now added to all commercially sold bread in Australia and New Zealand, with the exception of organic and unleavened bread. A 2016 study looked at the impact of the mandatory iodine fortification program in Australia, and I'll link to this study in the show notes. On a positive note, people who are regular eaters of bread were five times more likely to have an adequate intake of iodine. But there were differences, with people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds less likely to get sufficient iodine in their diet. Although fortification of bread-making flour with iodine has improved the general population's iodine status, pregnant women in Australia are still not getting enough iodine to meet their needs. So if you are pregnant, breastfeeding, or considering becoming pregnant, ask your doctor for advice about your individual daily iodine needs. And this is where advice to take an iodine-containing supplement may be given. Importantly though, if you have a pre-existing thyroid condition, do not take iodine supplements without checking with your doctor first. So where do you find iodine in your diet? Well, the ocean is the world's major source of iodine. So seaweed, such as kelp, nori, kombu and wakame, are some of the best food sources of iodine. Other good sources include fish, and other seafood. Dairy products can also be a good source of iodine. However, the amount of iodine can vary, and that depends on whether the cows received iodine feed supplements and whether iodine-based sanitizing agents were used to sterilize dairy processing equipment. The amount of iodine in fruits, vegetables, and grains, though, is variable and generally reflects the amount of iodine present in the soil in which the plants have been grown, or which animals graze upon. So land masses that were once under the ocean have soils rich in iodine. Food grown in flood-prone areas where water leaches iodine from the soil are poor sources of iodine. Iodine can also come from iodized salt added during or after cooking. And of course, 
It is found in foods that have iodized salt added to them under mandatory fortification programs. Now, consumption of foods that contain chemicals called goitrogens, which are substances that interfere with the uptake of iodine into the thyroid gland, can exacerbate iodine deficiency. Foods high in goitrogens include soy, cassava, and cruciferous vegetables, such as cabbage, broccoli, and cauliflower. For people who have adequate iodine intakes and eat a variety of foods, the consumption of reasonable amounts of foods containing goitrogens is not a concern. Although science is yet to clearly define what a reasonable amount here is. So it is more an issue if you have iodine deficiency or are at risk of it and have a diet low in iodine that you may want to not go overboard with these types of goitrogen foods. In Australia and New Zealand, labels indicate whether salt has been iodized or not. So if you are buying salt, you should opt for this form of salt. On average, half a teaspoon of iodized salt provides the RDI for the iodine you need. As with any nutrient, too much iodine can be harmful. Excessive intakes of iodine can interfere with thyroid function and enlarge the glands in just the same way as deficiency can. During pregnancy, exposure to excessive iodine from foods, prenatal supplements or medications is especially damaging to the developing infant. More than 120 countries worldwide have introduced programs of salt fortification with iodine in order to correct iodine deficiency in populations. So you can see what a major public health issue deficiency can be. Iodine is a nutrient you certainly should be aware of to make sure you're eating enough of the foods that contain it, especially if you are pregnant or breastfeeding. So that's it for today's show. You can find the show notes either in the app you're listening to this podcast on if it supports it, or else head over to my webpage at thinkingnutrition.com.au and click on the podcast section to find this episode to read the show notes. If you find this podcast of value, then please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues, or maybe even leave a review. This all helps increase the ranking and reach of the podcast, which means a big win for credible, evidence-based nutrition messages while helping to dilute up the crazy and making the world a slightly less confusing place. I'm Tim Crow, and you've been listening to Thinking Nutrition. Thinking Nutrition.